Welcome home. You're listening to the 180 Church Podcast with Dr. Sammy and friends. Dr. Sammy D. Kim is a Harvard-trained ethicist and co-founder of 180 Church NYC. He is a Yale Hastings Scholar at the Yale Interdisciplinary Center for Bioethics and the Hastings Center, where he explores the inequities surrounding health, immigration, and social policies, along with professional burnout. He is also a regular contributor to Christianity Today. For more information, please visit his website at samdkim.com. Well, welcome to Day in the Sun. T- today is days in the games, actually. We have uh, some fun stuff but in honor of my 11, soon-to-be 11-year-old son, Josh, he graduated this week from elementary school. It's a big deal, graduating from fifth grade. He wore his Spider-Man Jordans, and uh, he was very proud. And in tandem of the post-pandemic and us being able to be back out here playing games again, I want to tell you a story And for those of you who don't play video games, and for those of you who don't like sports, I promise you, follow along, I have a silver lining for you, okay? Well, I've been playing since the 80s, I'm almost 44, but all the alliterations of NBA games began in the 80s, and until Def, I mean, um, NBA Jam, the graphics, were really slow. I'm talking about like sloth slow. Michael Jordan would stick his tongue out and it would take three seconds in the game and it was really, really slow. Until a revolutionary game that began in 95 called NBA Live. NBA Live was the first time ever, and I'm a historian of these NBA, so I'm a big NBA fan. And it was like you actually were at the games and you were playing the games. I mean, I've schooled so many people at our church one time I beat Eddie Cho, a dad here, by 70 points, and my whole objective of the game, of playing him, wasn't even to beat him, even though I beat him by 70, because I'm like a god in NBA Live, not to be blasphemous. But my goal for this time, to, for Eddie, was to block Kobe Bryant at least 28 times, and I did, and he was very humiliated and mortified. But 95, I started playing NBA Live, and 99, a new alliteration, the best ever, which we still still play today, is called NBA 2K. And I've been playing this game since 95. So guess how many years that is? Almost 30 years. This is the only year I stopped playing because I grew up, I guess my wife would say. Or, you know, I got really busy. I wrote a book, you know, all that. And I thought that my sons at 2, 16, and 11, they're not really sports fans. They're artists. And um, I thought, honestly, a lot of things are dying around me now. <laughs> this is a game. When will the rain start pouring? Okay. But I thought NBA 2K, I would be the last person to play in the Kim household. Until Josh's friend started playing 2K, and now he's the one playing the game in there is a mode in 2K called career mode. And the career mode is beginning a journey of being an NBA player from the D League all the way to become the GOAT, to dethrone Michael Jordan. 
Again, everybody, tell, everybody stand next to you. Michael Jordan. Thank you. I'm just teaching you the truth. The truth of nature and the truth of scripture. But, so he started playing the game and he started throwing these tantrums. Because in career mode, it's very difficult to level up to a 99 player. You start at 60. And so he started throwing things, kicking the table. My wife's like, what is wrong with you? You are just like your father. I've seen him do this for the last 20-something years. And Josh says, you know, Dad, at this rate, I'll never be the GOAT. Why is it so hard? Why is it taking so long? I want to buy. When is Jordan going to give me a sponsorship deal? And he's this scrub player that only plays like three minutes a game in the career mode. I mean, what he is saying is the destination is more important than the journey. A lot of times in our own journeys in life, we're disappointed by the outcomes or we're disappointed by the pace in which we accomplish things. We feel like they're too slow. And we feel like in social and Instagram, everybody else is flourishing, especially when you use that Paris filter. That's the first filter on IG. Because when am I going to get there, Josh tells me. And I said, Josh, the point of this game is the journey. Just forget that. I want to beat my friends. They tell me I suck really bad, Dad. It's really embarrassing. Today, I want to help us. Tell someone next to you, you never really grow up. There is a 10-year-old, a video game playing, wanting to cheat 10-year-old in all of us. And we think more about the destination than the journey. And when we're in the journey, and at times there are detours and delays, in the Psalms, David says, and the psalmists say, how long, O oh Lord, will you hide your face from me? Lord, Lord, Psalm 22, why have you forsaken me? Now, of course, God didn't abandon anyone, and God is not delaying anyone, but this is how it feels. In our journey, when we're struggling and failing and faltering and be fallen of our own expectations, it feels that way. So today, I want to answer a simple question. How do I cling on to the promises of God in my life when I feel like settling? This dream or these goals, lofty goals that I feel like God put in my heart, but they just seem silly at this point. Because that's how it felt for Joseph. If you understand Joseph's story, one of the most prominent figures in the Torah, and how in, in, in the beginning when he was a teen, he had two dreams, one the second dream, which is the most ridiculous and outrageous lofty dream, was 11 stars, which represent his brothers, and the sun and the moon bowed down to him. Anybody here go to your brother or sister and be like, bow down to me and worship me? Josh does this all the time. 
Josh and they, they fight about the, who, who the greatest is all the time. But he actually had the audacity to, to say, Mom, Dad, come here. Bros, come here. Let me tell you the dream God gave me. You're all going to bow down to me one day. I mean, no wonder he literally, they literally tried to kill him. Well, they literally did almost kill him and they, they sold him off to slavery. But the dream was from God. But think about this. When Joseph was sold, betrayed by his brothers, his autonomy taken away, his dignity stolen, him putting, having chains on him. I mean, how ridiculous did having authority or being lifted up where the sun and moon and stars bow before him feel? Sometimes it's not if. Tell someone next to you when. It's not if trials and tribulations. Things that you can't even understand. Horrible things. Things that are painful. Things that don't even make sense. Things that are insidious, like being betrayed by the people you love. Being betrayed by your family. If you don't have, in the midst of that, a biblical view, a biblical purpose of suffering and hardship, that's the first thing we learned today, then it's very easy to say, the path I'm on doesn't make any sense. This suffering is in vain. It doesn't make any sense. Because in the covenant view, in the Jewish view of covenant to be like Abraham not just blessed but to be a blessing the context of suffering is always to create greater capacity to love others suffering in the perspective of God's purpose is to make us deeper people think about in your own life how suffering has made you move from shallowness to greater wholeness. I distinctly remember one of our worship leaders, Amin Lee. We're both old now. I'm a bit older, like by a few weeks. A few years, okay, a few years. But um, I remember when he was 18, he came to me and he made a double stack CD of every genre known to mankind. He recorded, he had to play the guitar. He sang all of them, he played the drums. He wanted to show his talent. And he, and he was confident. I was wondering why though, you know? No, no, I invested in that project, I lost all my money. But, uh, <laughs> but when he was 18, he was, I mean, clearly so many people knew he was talented. People praised him. But you gotta watch out for the worship leaders at church. If you have a church background, they're the worst. Satan was a worship leader in the Bible. He fell. But um, and, uh, and, and he, he was basically a person, an artist. Uh, you know, he, he was smart. He, he did all this, and he had so much confidence. And then in his mid-30s, he goes to film school. They accept him. 
very competitive program. He's talented. And I remember having a conversation just a few years. Jenny remembers this. She was like, oh gosh, oh gosh. And, and film is the most competitive market there is in the world, right? I mean, only very few make it. And I remember I'm in go just venting one time. You know, the people who really make it are people with connections. I mean, I have talent. I think I have the talent. Actually, I don't know anymore. There was some humility there. Even with Jenny, we all talked, we prayed. And then he remembers God telling him, I mean, I want you to represent me to these people that need the ark of God's compelling story in filmmaking. He goes, but God, how am I going to do that when no one knows me and it's so competitive? Everybody is going ahead of me. And we're like, the feeling was, am I going to ever really get there? And then he applies to the, to the Marcy Boom Fellowship, who, Marcy Boom is who started Sony Pictures. And he goes, Doc, you know, can you write me a reference? But I don't know, you know. I had all the faith, he had no faith. But um, he applies and he gets in. And he goes, he texts me, he goes, you don't believe this, but do you want me to come to, to Sony Pictures for the last second interview? And I'm like, dude, they want you. They want you. And I was trying to, you know, encourage him. He's like, I don't know. You never know. You don't never know with these things. Let me just tell you something. When he was going into Sony Pictures for that second interview for this fellowship, competitive fellowship that was reported by Variety, let me tell you this. We both didn't feel an ounce of pride. Like, look at me. I'm awesome. You should fund me and select me because I'm going to make you guys famous. No, there was a sense of desperation and humility. Why? Because the suffering because of the delays, because of the detours. Humility can only be broken into you. For Joseph, he had to lose his autonomy. He had to lose his dignity and be crushed to be used. And that's why when he came into authority, he cared about the greater good, not just exalting himself. And that's what I want to tell you about where you might be right now in your story. Or you might be in a greater place or you might be in a place where things don't make sense. When you look through the lens of suffering, the biblical purpose of suffering, to make us deeper people, to sanctify us, to make us more like Christ. So he can lift us up, so we can be representing him well. Then it makes sense the delays and detours. Because what does the text say? In Psalm 105, 19, when it came, before it, the time it came to fulfill Joseph's dreams, he tested his character. You see, in the moments of frustration and pain and doubt about God's promises for our lives, if we care more about the destination or the objective, or the goal, then those lofty goals are about us. And our characters are being tested. So look at suffering 
that thread of suffering biblically. Bring it into your life and see how God is shaping you through these detours, delays, and pain. Then it's not in vain, is it? Then it makes sense. He's working on my character. He's testing my character like he did Joseph. Amen? Secondly, if we want to hold on to the promises of God when we feel like settling, and those promises seem silly and naive and dumb, we also have to remember and relearn God's biblical motif for the purpose of dreams. The covenant idea of shalom, of being blessing, being blessed to be a blessing, prosperity, for greater prosperity of others, for the greater good of others. One of the things that I had to examine in my own life this past week, I found out by email, I won my first book award, the International Book Award, best book for religion and Christianity. Anne Lamont, Pope Francis won before in 2019. Um, and Amy Tan too for the Joy Light Club and I, one of her novels, whatever. But I couldn't, I was confused when I got the email because I thought someone, it was like a prank or something. And I told my wife, is this even a real award? I have to like check again, you know? And um, I felt honestly no joy. You're like, you're being falsely humble. You were dancing. And I wasn't, I honestly, I, I tried to reconcile the idea of dreams again at 43 almost 44, versus when I was in my 20s, and they're so different. Because I realized when you reach the mountaintop, there's an emptiness to achievement to a certain extent versus compounding joy. And then I realized what my dream was and what God's dream for my book, The Holy Haunting, really is. My dream was fulfilled on the day of my book launch with many of you. And it wasn't even about, it wasn't about me. It was about you. A lot of you shared that the book was a catalyst. And you made a video for me. And I think in heaven that will be an altar for me. I realized I fulfilled my dream when you were engaged and inspired to reach out to your friends with the gospel. Because my dream is bigger than me. It's not about me. And I realized that's the day I fulfilled my dream, that the community would want to be on mission, want to reach out to others, be a blessing to others, and bring that shalom of God on others. And it was kind of anticlimactic to, <laughs> to realize that, but that's the dream. When God breaks you, there's no room for boasting because you're like, ah, I didn't really get here by myself. There's so many people that have to support you. There's so many people on the journey with you. In Joseph's case, the sun and the moon did bow down to him. And the stars did eventually respect him as the ruler of all of Egypt, as Pharaoh lifted him up and God's dream was fulfilled. And so the dream was from God. But the purpose was greater than Joseph flexing. Yo, you know, 
that's one of the things I had to tell Josh because, and this is the end of my story today. I bought the Jordan edition, of course, right, for this year. And with the Jordan edition, you get 100 gold coins. Because you can buy coins to get better as a player in this journey. Josh was complaining about not being better, but he spent 100,000 points or coins on Jordan sneakers in a fake store in the game. He goes, Dad, I bought the Jordans I have at home. But you already have that for real life. He goes, but I want to be cool in the game. Folks, and, and, and this is how I like then. We have to unlearn. We have to unlearn this. That flexing is my dream. That's so, that goal, it will bring despair. Look what I did. Because that's really about identity. It's not even about dreams, right? Look what I did. Today, wherever you might be in your journey, where things don't make sense, or you might be in a good place where God lifted you up, remember the biblical purpose of suffering and the biblical purpose of dreams. Summary, they're not about us. They're about us, in a sense, being coming deeper, more sympathetic people, deeper people, to, so we can love better well. Second, those dreams are meant to bless many, not just me. And if you look at, look through those lenses, it makes a lot of sense about what's going on in our lives, and it gives us hope to cling on to the promises of God. All right, will you stand with me? We're going to pray. I want to help you synthesize this for all of us. There are two types of time in the Bible. One in Greek is called chronos time. Chronos is the, 20, the, the 60 seconds in your Apple Watch or your iPhone that tick. And that measurement technically doesn't really exist, but we use it as a measure of productivity for the human race because we're people that's tasked with the future and we want to measure and accomplish things so we keep that time. And a lot of times, one of the things we forget is that productivity and measurement, they're, they're used and they're given to machines, how productive they are. Human beings were not created to be productive as the main goal. What I want to help you reframe today is not chrono, not is chronos time, but kairos time, which is God's time. Is when God comes outside of that regular time and he moves in your life. Or he makes sense of the dots that don't make sense. And he calls you to something greater than you're living for now. So today, will you lift your hands with me as we sing this song in prayer? We're going to sing in your time. If there's things that don't make sense today in your life, detours, delays, loss, grief, and suffering, will you look at the biblical view and the purpose of suffering and hardship as a mechanism to make you 
deeper person. To sanctify us so that we can have greater empathy for others in their suffering. The Bible tells us that the comfort we receive in our suffering is the comfort we give to others. Let's sing together and make it our prayer in your time. In his time, in his time, he makes all things beautiful. In his time, Lord, please show. before you this afternoon <coughs> for those of us that are confused and lost and doubting our place and question the promises of God for our lives that promise Jeremiah 29 says the promise to bless us the promise to prosper us the promise to give us a future and a hope Are you stuck on your time, your own expectation, our own time and expectations? Or are we looking at the biblical view of suffering and hardship? Is God using those environments to refine us? His goal is in humility just to humble us for no reason. That brokenness, to be broken in the right places so we can become a healing bomb for others. So we can become a light in this world to bless others. And it's the biblical view those of us who accept this forming process are the ones that love the people we want to love the most the best we can. We'll do that in our lives. We will be a blessing to our families. We'll be a blessing to our friends. 
and will be a blessing to the world because it won't be about me. But God using me and my talents and gifts to bless others. So I pray that the Holy Spirit and his presence would meet you in that journey and process as we move to that destination. I'm going to give the benediction now as we close our service today. And then we have uh, Helen or someone come up, Mignon's coming up, and give you just a brief announcement about food and today's facilities. So will you bow your heads for the benediction today? May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forevermore. All God's people pray. Amen.